Welcome to The Quad, CCB's sport podcast. I'm Simon Hill, Deputy Head at Christ College, and I'm delighted that you've joined us as we discuss all the latest sports news at the school. We'll cover global sporting issues and also spend time with invited guests, all of whom have specialisms or interest in the world of sport. This is The Quad. And welcome everyone back to episode two of uh, The Quad. Thank you so much for your efforts last week. It was great. Um, first episode went brilliantly, and I'm really rel- uh, pleased to welcome you all back to uh, to second episode. And I'm really, well, we're honoured, really, aren't we? Let's be honest. Um, to have our very special guest with us today, which is the one and only Miss Hardman. So I'm thankful that she's given up her time to come and see us today. And I know we've got some great questions. Um, but before we do, Miss, if you wouldn't mind just giving us uh, a brief sporting background of yourself and your sporting interests. Um, I grew up at a similar school to Christ College where I played hockey, netball and tennis year in, year out. Um, But also beyond that, absolutely love anything outdoorsy, so skiing, surfing, mountain biking, sailing, that sort of thing. Excellent. Miss is leading the ski trip uh, this year, so we're all very excited. That's the first ski trip we've had for a long time. Think back to COVID. There was one venue, please think better than me. About four years ago. Four yeah. years, five years ago. So it's exciting that we've got a ski trip back. So well done, Miss, for getting that up and running. Um, okay, so we're looking forward to lots of chat today about sports, um, things that have gone on in the last week, CCB fixtures, CCB results, um, and then just the general uh, all-round sports uh, roundup that we're going to have a look at. So we're going to start off with um, just notable mentions, really, from people at CCB, who have um, done some really special things this week. Um, oh, can you tell me about uh, Finn Willis? What's Finn been up to? Well, he's been, he's been mountain biking. We know really well, fit by him. Yeah, he's been doing some great mountain biking. His um, last race of the season, uh, seventh place he finished, um, and he's put a lot of effort. And I, I'm not sure if you've seen the um, picture or the video on Instagram, but he goes down that hill so fast. Yeah. If you haven't checked that out, I don't. I can't. I don't know how he does that quick. I, yeah. I mount by myself, and I, I cannot do it anywhere near that speed. Scary. Yeah, it, it is terrifying. It looks really scary what he's doing. So Finn, congratulations, well done. Um, good luck for the rest of uh, your season and next season, indeed. So Amelia Tinch, congratulations, Amelia. Um, selection for the Welsh sailing squad again this year. Um, and Miss Tilly Corbett has some good news this week. Yeah, Tilly Corbett, um, she has made it through the Phase 2 selection for the NAGS, um, so National Age Group Squad for Under-18 Hockey, and when they're looking to retain an Under-16 squad as well to take forward to the Fives tournament next summer. So amazing news from Tilly. That's awesome, brilliant. So that's kind of round up from guys in school. We've got to put a big shout out, I think, to the Cardiff Half Marathon crew that ran. Anybody know anybody who ran this weekend in the Cardiff Half? Well, Max Burgess from the Day Hub, I was really proud to see him, him running. So his Strava, cracking time to be fair, and yeah, he put a lot of training in, so big shout out to Max. Excellent. strong run. I love that, well done. And a couple of staff members as well. Uh, Miss Goodrich, I know, ran. Um, who else was Miss Hopkin? Miss Hopkin. Miss Hopkin ran. Miss Ashdown. Uh, Ashdown. And a certain Mr. McLean. Does he get a certain, men- can he get a mention on the quads? Well, yeah, Mr. McLean, he gets a mention on Mr. the quads. Mr. McLean, he yeah. Also he, ran. Did, how did he feel afterwards? Was he all right? Well, I think his legs were pretty tired, but he, he came through. He got, he got through. Good man. Um, okay, uh, right. Come on then, let's have a little chat about the, uh, the sport that's gone on. Rugby World Cup, kind of catch up. Who's been watching? What have you been watching? Has anyone enjoyed watching anything? Yeah, 
Well, yeah, I've been watching. <laughs> well, I watched all of it really. I was working yesterday, so yeah, I'd be able on big TV and work. So yeah, the Portugal game, I think uh, that was that was really something. I think watching them got, get that first try right at the start. Uh, yeah, that was that was great, wasn't it? Was I think Australia time. were uh, rattled for a good. I think I think they've been rattled all uh, for the whole World Cup. To be honest, I think they were expecting to go there and put fifty points on them. Yeah, I I really liked it, enjoyed watching Portugal as well. I think they 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 play this kind of refreshing brand of rugby, which is really quite attractive, um, and not really to the script of all the other top tier nations. They're playing this kind of off the cuff. Um, really kind of exciting brand, but and I think, but unfortunately, that's to their detriment as well because they play a really high risk kind of style of rugby. But then that that kind of we, uh, the wheels kind of fall off, and uh, and, and that, they kind of pay the price then when um, when uh, they they lose the ball. But Portugal have been the uh, the kind of outstanding kind of second tier nation for me. Um, how about the All Blacks guys? Are we watching? Are we tracking them? Ben, I think Aaron Smith just to get a hat trick inside the first thirty three minutes. It's just ridiculous. I mean, and we're talking about as well an All Blacks team who who were questioned and maybe they weren't going to perform so well. I think it just shows the constant standard of rugby over there. That even in one of their more average spells, some people would argue they're still, you know, they're still putting how much is it, eighty six points on on a Six Nations team. That's, yeah. That's how many tries? I think I can't remember. Oh, it too many. I think it was ninety six seventeen. The final. Yeah, it's ninety six seventeen. So that's a lot of tries. A lot of tries. Well, you know, and that is again what you're saying, Ben. Is that there? Pretty kind of going through a bit of a downturn, aren't they? Mm. Um, it's quite interesting. I wonder how much Ireland are looking forward to their uh, their quarterfinal. Yeah, I think uh, I think um, especially when like a few weeks ago, well at the start when people were saying that New Zealand was going to be the easier game out of the uh, out of the quarterfinals, as uh, I don't think I generally don't think that anymore. I think after watching New Zealand tear it up the last two weeks, it's scary how good they're looking. Like, I, I know what you said about Aaron Smith. He is world class. Okay, yeah, it's some of the, some of the stuff he does. Is a, I can't believe it. Yeah, what, what, what you watching anything, yeah. you guys? Yeah, just what I love about the uh, the All Blacks is just the depth of their squad. I mean, you get one world class player and suddenly retires, and then you've got another young up and coming world class player, and it's just the depth of their squad's phenomenal. Yeah, it is actually. I think it's mental how old Aaron Smith is and consistently doing what he's doing, providing performances for the All Blacks. They're you know, top quality performances as well, aren't they? You know, he's not just turning up and rolling out, he's absolutely leading the charge every single game, it's excellent. Um, yeah, they, they were impressive, and as I said, I think Ireland will be, uh, I, I, don't know, I don't think they'll be worried, but it's kind of, that side of the draw is just really intense. Um, so yeah, that quarterfinal match will be, uh, will be one to watch for sure. Um, oh, have the, uh, the pre-season games for the Welsh regions, have they started and kicked off? Yeah, Cardiff played Scarlets, um, it was Saturday, I think, yeah. well, I'm not really too sure. Uh, yeah, they beat them 21-12, and it was good because they kind of put a really young squad out. Uh, then Lucas Dover were playing, he was actually at school the other day, yeah. doing um, doing our WIU uh, Colleges League uh, press conference thing, which was uh, which was really good to see. And Dragons got a clenching win over Wasprey's yeah. 2019. It was tight. I think they, those guys are then rotating now next week in, mm -hmm. in preparation yeah. for the season opener. So Wasprey's will play uh, Cardiff, and then they... Um, the Dragons will play the Scarlets, which will be good. Um, Wales women rugby team, they got off to a good start with their, their match in uh, Colwyn Bay against the USA. Really thumping victory for them, 38-18, uh, which is great. Um, and then just a little bit on the times, Jack, if you don't mind, for the, uh, the winners of the Cardiff half, and just put into a bit of context uh, how quick that might be. Yeah, so on the men's side, Vincent Mutai, and on the women's side, Mess Stewart, Fakir, they both clinched victory. 
in the, yeah, the 2023 Cardiff Half Marathon. So the times on the men's side, you've got uh, one hour and 34 seconds. On the women's side, one hour, eight minutes, 12. Both are very strong times. You see there, the, the, um, the African dominance continues on the men's side, Kenya, on the women's side, Ethiopia. I think those nations are certainly very difficult to challenge, even on our, our, on our home soil here in the UK with the, the big home support. So yeah, they really did show dominance. Have you done the Cardiff Half course before? No, the longest I've run is eight, nine miles, so a little bit, little bit long for yeah. me. But I'm just wondering what, how that course kind of, I know the course, but I've never run it, so I know the course yeah. is quite flat. I think so, um, yeah. It's quite a flat course. Speedy so. course, the times yeah. would reflect that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, brilliant. Uh, miss, how have our teams got on um, this week? So I think some netball's been going on and some hockey's been going on. Yeah, so to touch on the netball, we've had our, um, just today, our under-16 South Pass tournament. Um, amazing performance from the girls in year 10 and 11 to go through to the next round undefeated today with five and five wins. Um, and last Wednesday, a similar squad of girls also won the South Palace hockey tournament um, and again, unbeaten all the way through and I think they scored 23 goals, conceded nil. So wow. amazing from that year group of girls. Quite a day for the office for the keeper then, was it? Yeah, I think Holly got two touches in the whole tournament. So Okay, that's amazing. So good stuff, well done. Kudos to the under 16s, amazing stuff. Um, Mark, what's been going on in the world of cricket? Uh, so yeah, it's been it's been a, a busy week actually. So it's been the end of the domestic English summer, uh, which ended in a, a, a farce. Um, it ended with a washout of the last CDI against Ireland, uh, but Duckett still managed to grab a century in that. Uh, so a, an impressive performance from him to end the domestic summer. It is also World Cup week. Um, yes. There is currently, as we speak, a World Cup qualifier ongoing where England are playing Bangladesh and are chasing down 189 uh, in a reduced overs 50 over game. And where's that taking place? Uh, in India. India. And why is it reduced weather? Weather. Let's see. Good stuff. So that, that kicks off pretty soon as well as the World Cup. So yes, this week. This, this week. week. Excellent. So this stuff. is a warm-up game. Moment. Good. Brilliant. And uh, big weekend coming up ahead for the Welsh team. Um, their last pool match. They need one point to win the group. Think it's yes. a, go through as group, group yeah. winners. Um, all teams being announced today. What are we thinking? Uh, yeah, well, it's definitely a reduced team. No, well, first thing stuck out with me, no Jack Morgan, but it sort of makes sense considering how hard he's been playing. Uh, I think he's played all three games as well, yeah, hasn't he? Yeah, probably he's been captain. So, yeah, uh, doesn't surprise me there. But it's still a pretty strong side. Uh, it looks pretty good. So we've got Thomas uh, in the prop, Derry Lakers captain. Not really surprised, good captain, good player. Uh, Thomas Francis, Will Rowlands, David Jenkins, Alan Wainwright, Tommy Raffle, Raffle, Tanubi Fanato in the pack, which is a very strong pack, fair play. There's a lot of um, a lot of old boys in there, uh, experienced players. We've got Thomas Williams, Gareth Anscombe, Rio Dyer, Nick Tompkins, George North, Lurie Zamet and Liam Williams. So overall it's a really, really strong squad. Yeah, I think the two players, um, Falatau and Reece Zamet, they played all four. Yeah. Um, so they're the only two. So good, good kind of rotation there from Gatland as well, um, kind of to make sure that people get a, get a good kind of mix. But um, it's tough going because if they're going to play again in the quarters, mm. um, you know, I get, I get it. Resummit, you know, the amount of minutes or miles he's got under his belt. Yeah. But for Falatau would have done some uh, some serious graft. Oh, especially at eight as well. Such a, such a physical position. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Good. So that's next weekend, um, next Saturday, I think, at two o'clock. So we're looking forward to uh, to that one. Yeah. Well, who's a, who, who do they get if they win that? 
Or uh, I think it's Argentina or Japan. Yeah, it's Argentina or Japan. It's yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then if England beat Fiji in the quarters, it'd be uh, England. Well, Fiji or Australia. Excellent. I presume it'll be. Sounds good. Fiji. Right. Um, sports news then, and the results from the previous week for Christ College Brecon hockey went off to Hereford Cathedral School. Yeah, how'd that yeah, go? Yeah, it was quite a good game. It's quite hard fought by us. Like. We went there thinking Hereford were going to be quite a strong team and weren't sure what the score was going to be. But with a 3 0 outcome, lost it. Score at half time though? No, no. Yeah, yes, so, it, so we battled hard. Yeah, they scored their last three in like the last 10 minutes, which is. Okay. Yeah, that's great gutting really. Yeah. After putting up a great, great, great fight of it. But yeah. um, um, the other guys, so the juniors, again, I think Hereford's kind of. Hockey's going quite well at the moment throughout the the, uh, the year groups, yeah. Yeah. They're pretty good, so I think um, quite a tough kind of match up for the rest of the guys there. Um, but good. Do we play them again, or is that the only time? No, just the one block this year. Okay. Um, so. Under twelves and under thirteens. Just a little shout out for them because they played back to back against um, the under twelves. Played both of their under twelve and under thirteen Bs, and the under thirteens played both of their A teams. Um, so a little tournament for them, which went really well. Brilliant. Uh, right, rugby. Um, busy week of rugby as well. Oh, how did the uh, first get on last week? Two games? <coughs> yeah, two games. Uh, rough week for us, to be honest. Uh, Stop on Wednesday against Gower College, first round of the uh, Welsh Colleges League. Uh, tough opponents, strong side, a uh, lot of physical boys, but to be honest, we, didn't, we just didn't turn up. Uh, the, the weather was, weather conditions were awful. Like, I think it was about 10 minutes left, started sideways raining. So that was, that was tough, but yeah, it was a tough loss to take really because uh, I think we, we were definitely the, could have been the better team uh, and we just didn't turn up on the day. But we look forward to Saturday then. We played, we travelled into Clifton, uh, which is a Daily Mail fixture, and put up a really good performance. We did we did lose that 26 0, I think it was, but it was a really, really strong performance for us and definitely what we needed because uh, it's, it's really boosted our confidence going into the Colleges League. Because uh, we went down there, not really sure what to expect against the full Clifton side. Yeah. I think so like thirteen out of the fifteen starting team were all Bristol, Bristol under eighteens. So it was definitely a tough day. Yeah, but it's, it's, we went we went down there and absolutely stuffed them physically. I think if we, we looked at the stats and when we get the video through, we can kind of analyse that territory. Oh, okay. um, we have about 80% territory in terms of Christ College yeah. and we, we, we were camped in their 22 were we for most of the yeah, game. Yeah, we were smashing. But unfortunately, when they visited our 22, they came away with points and, yeah. and they kept that kind of scoreboard ticking over and that scoreboard pressure and, and I think then we started to try a little bit too hard when we got into their 22 yeah. and then as a result we just didn't kind of get that yeah, um, I think scoreboard ticking over. I, there's an element of a, a lack of trust in the squad as well, I think that's where it's happening. So I think if we'd have kept it going through the fours a little bit more down in the 22, we would have got a few few points on the board, but so we haven't been we haven't been very clinical this season yet. Yeah. So when we get when we get that clinical start coming in, we'll start taking points over and winning games, hopefully. Brilliant. Um, it's great that Clifton College is back on our fixture card, by the way. That's the first time we played them in I would say around about ten years. Beautiful school. Uh, lush school, isn't it? It's beautiful there. A nice nice pitch to play on. First time in 10 years we played them, so it's great that they want to play us. And um, our juniors went over, had some brilliant games against their uh, their junior teams as well. So it's a really worthwhile worthwhile fixture, and hopefully we're going to do that one again next year. Dylan, what's coming up in uh, the world of Christ College this week? We've got a busy Wednesday. we got girls hockey under 13s and 
against Bedstone College at home, which will be a good game, and then girls hockey first against Pitts Grammar. Yeah, away. that's right. And then we've got a badminton game, seniors against. I'm really looking forward to that one. So the badminton game is against Luckton on Wednesday, and we play a lot, a lot of badminton fixtures throughout the. Uh, the season and it's a great uh, great opportunity to get our badminton team up and running so that's a really good one to look out for the results next week um how's it looking then for any rugby uh we got a big game wednesday college league game against bridgen college which is a home so we're looking to get a winner now and hopefully first home game of the season as well for uh, in that in that league so yeah we're looking forward to that and then we got boys rugby under 15s game against pendra which is also home yeah and then a girls hockey under 11s game against Hereford Cathedral School away. Fantastic. And Mark, we have a football match we on do. Wednesday. We have the first football fixture of the season against yes. Semi Bridge FC. It is. Uh, and I'm, I'm massively excited for that. I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to be starting, but obviously, Owen wow. Smythe is captain. We've been, uh, we've been looking at some draft teams. Team selection uh, will be all important there. It's going to be great. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It's a, a regular fixture, which I think <coughs> will happen every week or every other week, um, which will be good. <coughs> Um, but yeah, it's great to get some football, some regular football happening. Um, ben, Saturdays. So on Saturday the girls are away to Malvern, so that should be a really good fixture. Malvern St James, that one I Malvern think. Malvern St James, yeah. yeah. You know, good school, should be a great game. And I think that looks like a bit of a bit of a block fixture. Yeah. So that's the under twelves, under thirteens, and the under fifteens all going down. Actually, Brilliant. no, they're coming up to us for the under thirteens and under twelves and under fifteens. But the first girls are away. Great stuff. Busy week. Um, we wouldn't have it any other way here at Christ College. Right on to our anticipated section. Um, thank you, Miss Harvey, for being here with us. Uh, we're really uh, honoured to have you and give for you giving up your busy schedule. We've got some questions for you that the panel have uh, all decided to, uh, to ask. So I'm going to throw it over to Mark, please, to uh, ask the first one. Yeah, so Miss, what inspired you to become a PE teacher and uh, how has your journey been in this field so far? Um, selfishly, my inspiration for being a PE teacher was actually, I was looking at what I could do that would get me a professional qualification, mean I could work anywhere in the world and get lots of time on holiday. I started off my PE teacher journey there and thought, I'll do this for a couple of years or until I stop enjoying it. And I think I'm on year nine or 10 now. So it's been pretty good so far. The across the world bit's taken me to a little island off the coast of Malaysia called Penang and also to the Netherlands, um, living and working in Amsterdam and teaching over there. Nice. Uh, oh, growing up, Miss, have you always had a passion for sports? And um, what were your favourite sports and why? Always had a passion for sports, absolutely. Um, it's pretty much always been my life. Um, my favourite sports, I continue this day to be very fickle with that. Whatever sport is um, currently being played or I was currently playing would always be my favourite. So hockey term, it was hockey. Netball term, it was netball, and um, we did tennis back in the summer when I was at school, so um, tennis was always my favourite summer sport. Um, nowadays, I love skiing, um, and I also still play a lot of tennis, which I really enjoy, uh, especially when I get to beat Mr. Patterson. <laughs> That's a draw, miss. It's a draw. Can't say we that We played about live. 20 sets. Can't say that live on, uh, on the party. It's a definite draw. We are literally drawing as well, so... Uh, <laughs> And I only started playing tennis at the beginning of this year, so I'm not doing too bad. Right, Jack, over to you. Hi, Miss. I was wondering if you had a specific or memorable sports-related experience from your own school days, maybe one that influenced your teaching approach. Um, not a specific experience as such, but when I was at school, I used to spend a lot of time on the Astro, um, working hockey balls at the goal, whether that was actually in a formal training session or just in my free time. 
Um, and my coach at the time used to spend quite a bit of time with me before sessions where we just go down um, and shell a basket of balls into the goal and it would just be my kind of offload time. Um, and I hope that my teaching approaches like that, um, especially for the girls that I coach this season, it's just a place where it's not just about the hockey or just about the netball, but it's actually um, something that they can really enjoy and just a space away from daily pressures and daily life. Brilliant. So Miss, in your opinion, how has the role of physical education evolved over the years and you know, what does it play in a student's overall development? Um, yeah, I think the role's definitely evolved and I'm probably getting more airtime than it did um, in the past. I think in terms of a student's overall development, just so hugely important. Um, and I think we've really realised that since the COVID years of taking away those sort of team sports and human face-to-face -face interaction, just how important that environment of being part of a team, winning, losing, um, kind of irrelevant, but just doing something as part of a team, whether it's for the enjoyment, the commitment, um, social interaction, just yeah, really, really important for in so many different ways beyond the actual physical skills that you're learning. So Miss, is there any specific sport or activities that you're particularly passionate about teaching? Obviously I love teaching um, hockey and netball, but also I really enjoy teaching swimming. Um, the sort of significance of that is it's really, really rewarding. You see a huge improvement um, in pupils sort of just even in one lesson, especially when you're teaching um, sort of not very confident swimmers or people who haven't been in the water before. And that was a really big part of my role in Malaysia. We had a lot of students who actually couldn't swim in their later teenage years. Um, so it's really, I really, really enjoyed that, actually teaching them to swim and giving them a life skill. Yeah, so Miss, what's been your best memory at Cross College Beckham Sport so far? Um, can I pick a few? Of course. So, first one would have to be the girls' national final last year. They worked um, for six months towards that. Really, really special day, um, seeing them stepping out on the pitch um, down in Cardiff. Um, and they played absolutely out of their skin. Um, second memory would be, we did a tournament last year towards the end of term. Um, and we, it was called a Bigs and Littles tournament. So we divided the whole school from year seven to year 13, all of the girls, and we split them into four teams. And when it, within the red team or the yellow team, or whichever colour team they were in, they had an under 13 team, an under 15 team, and an under 18 team. They all played off throughout the afternoon with all of their points scoring towards it. It was just an amazing afternoon seeing all of the little ones looking up to all of their first team heroes, and all of the senior girls helping out with the little ones. Um, so as sort of a non, um, not looking at a competitive performance, that was a really, really good memory for me. Brilliant. Right, I'm going to throw the uh, quick fire round over to Darcy. So, quick fire round, seven questions, one word answer, no pressure, miss. Darcy, go. What's your favourite sport? Skiing. Favourite food? Uh, steak or baby whales. Favourite athlete? I've picked two, Maddie Hench or Mary Earps, because... Goalkeepers of people too. Favourite sports team? Bath Rugby. Favourite Olympic discipline? Um, rogue but guilty pleasure is watching curling. Favourite sports venue? Um, over the bridge, I'm afraid everyone, but it is the wreck watching Bath play as a kid. And the last one, Ronaldo or Messi? Um, absolutely no pick. Um, let's go with Ronaldo because he's the best. Outrageous. Can't believe so, but Ronaldo or Messi? <laughs> Messi or Ronaldo? Disrespectful. Uh, there's, there's, no, there's no or. It's that's just my preference. That's clearly taken me to the bias of picking Ronaldo. That's my bias. Ronaldo's clearly better. Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,
He's the better athlete, but that down, that's 100% true. Right, thank you so much, Miss. Um, thank you, Darcy. Okay. Well, that was probably the most entertaining part of the pod so far. Brilliant stuff. Thank you, everybody. Throwing it out there, we're back for the next segment of our pod. This is going to be a weekly theme. Um, we're looking at the uh, most iconic moments in sport. Last uh, week, we had Mary Decker um, at number 10, um, the athlete. This week, who have we got, Jack? So this one, I think we'll all, we'll all recognise immediately. It's the Hand of God. So the Hand of God was a goal that occurred during the, the FIFA World Cup of 1986 in the quarter-final against Argentina, with Argentina going against England. So Maradona basically used his left hand to punch the ball into the net, um, and the referee allowed the goal despite massive protests from the English players. Maradona later famously said, it was a little with the head of Maradona and a little with the hand of God. So yeah, he uh, no shame there. He just acknowledged the fact that he'd punched the ball into the goal. So yeah, this goal is often cited as one, as one of the most <coughs> controversial moments in World Cup history. Can I just say as well, at that point, I, I was three, so I don't really remember it, I certainly don't, but I remember growing up with that photo and seeing that iconic photo. And this is a time where there was no internet, there was no mobile phones, so you can imagine the papers, and I can remember seeing papers that years after, the papers went absolutely wild. Um, and the, the kind of media storm that this uh, kicked up. And, and there were tensions between um, the United Kingdom and Argentina at that time as well, which, uh, which weren't, weren't, weren't helping. And, and it really was, to put it into context, it was a massive, massive storm in, uh, in, in world sport, Ben. So not only did he score the most controversial goal, possibly in history, but he bagged himself a chance to be a part of a winner of the goal of the century, which happened within the same game. And this is when he began in his own half, drawing past five English players, showcasing, you know, exceptional ball control and agility, much like Messi does nowadays. And the goal is often regarded as one of the greatest individual goals in the history of football. I think that will have you you know, seen that continue. It? Have you seen have you seen that yeah. goal? Yeah. If you haven't seen that goal, quick YouTube uh, quick YouTube search into uh, into that and, and just put um, Maradona, goal of the century, it is unbelievable. So despite the completely scarring effect of, of that goal on, on British culture, um, Maradona's performance in that match with both goals is widely considered one of the best and greatest individual displays in World Cup history. And it solidified his status as a soccer icon, uh, or a football icon rather, um, and an iconic figure in the sport. These two moments, along with Maradona's incredible skill and charisma, continue to be celebrated and remembered by soccer, by football fans yes, worldwide. Yeah, for sure. And it is one of the most iconic things that have happened in, in football history. And, and you'll constantly see that on any type of uh, TV World Cup repeats. That will be one of the, the most over the things that which has been shown. I think we'd probably expect that issues like that might be solved by a certain VAR, but... Looking ahead in the script. Absolutely. Keep listening, in five minutes time, you <coughs> yes. might debunk that theory. VAR is going to be a big talking point for us in a little bit. So, last segment, what I really enjoyed last week, um, our rockers and shockers in sport. Um, who have the rockers been this week? For me, that European Ryder Cup team has just been absolutely exceptional. It's been so good to watch as well. There's so much good sport on at the minute. And just seeing... Seeing golf come into the uh, come into the schedule is just as good, but to see the boys win as well is. Anyone else watch the golf? Anyone else know about the golf that was happening? No, no, no golf fans. Absolutely no idea. Not really. I think the team dynamic is quite interesting. Europe, USA. It's quite different. Nice to see you know 
we often see Team GB or <coughs> down England, Wales, etc. But you know, to see a European team is quite unique. It is, and I think part of that as well, it, it, the, the coming together and the cohesiveness of that team is quite special. Yes. They play a lot on the PGA circuit together. Um, and uh, there's been a lot of kind of press interest around this, this competition, particularly um, the PGA um, have kind of been joined with someone help me out. I've lost my train of thought. Who's the? Um... Well, it's almost like how the uh, how the Saudi Arabians with football. You know, it's the it's the same sort of thing trying to buy out the leagues and all of this. It's something called like live free or live. That's live it. Live golf. Well done. Live golf. live golf. So there's been a big kind of undercurrent, under dynamic here where live golf and PGA have been clashing. Um, that seems to be put to bed now, but. There was still a little bit of needle between all the players and between and I think Rora McElroy, uh, I don't know if you saw any of that on the social media um, on the Saturday, I think that was. He had a big bust up. Do you see that, Ben? Yeah, there seemed to be some unspoken niggle maybe between the two sides, all the all the live golfers and then all the non-live golfers, you know, you can say some are standing for what they believe is right. And I think Absolutely. But Ryder Cup won. Uh, sorry, Europe Europe won the Ryder Cup. Absolutely. Um, brilliant, some great scenes at the end there, lots of people diving in the uh, water and it looked like a brilliant place to be. Um, Snooker. Who's a snooker fan here? Anyone love watching the snooker? No. I think fan is a stretch, but I, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know of the events. Um, Mark Williams, obviously quite a, a local. Um, yeah. Athlete. athlete. Yeah, definitely athlete an athlete. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, winning the uh, the uh, UK Open. Uh, yes. Beating Mark Selby ten frames to seven. Uh, Selby, who was in the final of the of the Crucible uh, World Championships, uh, so a highly impressive performance from Mark Williams. Especially considering that there was commentary that he was close to his retirement and the end of his career at the end of the last World Championship. Brilliant, absolutely. Thanks, Mark. Um, right, youngest footballer ever. I'm just going to kind of open this up. I found this quite interesting. So this guy, Davian Kimbra, he's the youngest person ever to play professional football um, in the United States. He's 13 years old, seven months and 13 days. Mm. That's pretty impressive. He's playing against men. That's not an under 18 fixture. That's a full professional game um, and what kind of got me as well was the previous record you'd think it was more like 18 or 17 the previous record before that was 13 years and nine months so uh, that's pretty impressive I think so he's obviously had a an absolute rocker of a week and then Jack lead us into the uh, the next one we saw the the world road mile champs and I think a standout performance to me was Callum Elson of, of Team GB he was the dark horse of the race really he broke the British record in a, a splendid 3 minutes 56 seconds, that's incredibly impressive, so that was great to watch. What's your one now, Jack? Can't be far apart. Uh, well, <laughs> my 1500 time is 3.59, so we'll add on 109 metres, probably about 4.15. That's fast. Well, um, this is quicker, 3.56, that's it is, impressive. It is a bit quicker. How old's Callum Elson, uh, Jack? Is he much older than you? Well, yeah, he's, he's probably, yeah, he's probably entering his prime years now. Yeah. But yeah, that was a really good one for him, cementing his name, I suppose, in the media. That's it. And that's kind of what, what's, what, got, what got him noticed this week, was uh, he definitely was all over the media for that. Um, so he's had a brilliant week, uh, definitely a rocker. Right, shockers, and I think we're going to be kind of bogged down here with a lot of football, because that was big over the weekend. Um, who's going to start us off here talking about the football? Mark? I think it might be our, our new weekly Man United segment. Mm. So, Man United, as usual, in crisis, in turmoil. There's, there's that term again. And um, they lost 1-0 to Crystal Palace on the weekend. A, a uh, harrowing defeat uh, that just adds to the pressure on Eric Ten Hag and his squad. The pain um, of the fans. And the pain of the fans. They beat Crystal yeah. Palace in the week in the um, Carabao Cup. 
Three one, I think. I think it was um, Burnley. No, it was Crystal Palace. No, Crystal no, it's Crystal Palace. Palace. Okay, yeah, they beat, they beat Palace three one in the week. So um, the only reason I know that is because we play a little predictor game with all the staff, and I definitely I thought well they beat them in the week they're definitely going to beat them on the weekend. So I put Manu to beat Crystal Palace one 0 How wrong could I? Was it they're in the midst of, a, of an injury crisis with uh, Sofiane Amrabat playing at left back? Uh, Should any of the top top teams in this country have an injury crisis? You know you think about how much money. They put into their sport. Should they have an injury crisis? You think they should have two or three players for each position at least? Well, it's quite controversial. I think a lot of fans have been becoming more and more aware of the fact that players are pushed harder and harder these days. You know, with the commercialisation of sports, specifically football, there's a lot more games in the calendar. You could say that puts strain on on players. But then again, you know, they finish they finish the the work day at three o'clock. They kick a few balls with a few mates and then. Go home to their mansions. That's brilliant, Jack. That, that's that sounds like not sour at all. The, the, the athlete's dream compared to the footballer's dream. Yeah, that's is, uh, yeah. Is well lived, I'm sure. I think your point about um, the the uh, about teams having two or three players for each position. Man United have three left backs, uh, all all of whom are either not good enough or now injured. So Shaw and Regulion are injured, uh, whilst uh, Brandon Williams. I'm not too sure is going to be. Yeah, interesting. Um, so they've had a, a bit of a, a shocker. Um, it continues to be a shocker. It seems to be a continuing shocker of a decade for Man United. They're not oh, going well. No, we had a good season last season. <laughs> Top one in ten, one in ten. You know, <laughs> is that is that success for Man United? I'm not sure. Um, right, Liverpool and Tottenham. Somebody's going to Ben. Yeah, I think it was just it was a, just a shocking display of of just human error really and it caused so much for some upset. context what, what are you talking about here so this was Luis Diaz's goal which was seen as offside by the uh, by the referee and originally actually the VAR went down before the game and they you know now questions are asking about why not just delay the start so you can check the VAR's working but it was clearly not offside and Liverpool should have had a goal and and this is the stage when they were, it was nil-nil. Yeah. It was 11 men versus 11 men. Absolutely, yeah. So, oh, this was before the two red cards and the own goal yeah. from Matip, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> kind, of, it kind of definitely got... <laughs> this was game-changing. ...biled yeah. into a chaos after that. So what happened next then? So it was just, the goal got um, taken back and it was it came back to nil-nil and then, of course, everything un- and, uh, everything unraveled and... Who was it? Was it Jota? Jota got a red Tottenham card. Went 1-0 up. Yeah, one 0 up. Yeah, and then it was all level, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they Liverpool scored one back, and then the uh, red card of Jota. Yeah, Jota going off first of all, and then Curtis um, Jones. Well, Curtis Jones as well. Curtis For Jones a quick, red. questionable tackle, because I thought he maybe played the ball first before yeah. he went into his ankle, but you know everyone each to their own. I guess if he's going into someone's ankle, then uh, yes, yeah, bad news all around. Doing it the proper way, and then at the end, Joel Matip just a. Tapping that, you know, star striker for Tottenham. I thought he was on the uh, on the weekend. The way he tapped in that goal to the top bins, Allison never stood a chance. That was in the ninety fifth minute as oh, well. Yeah, proper. It was the last kick of the game, basically. Um, but I think the the big story here is is that is that um, VAR, which is meant to be this foolproof piece of technology and sports technology, just not working, not functioning, and, and as a result, you know, we've got well, Ben. I think you're going to talk about what Liverpool might be doing next. Well, I think Liverpool are pressing for... Well, there was actually a statement put out by the Premier League to say this is human error, this will be justified, you know. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it needs to be treated in the in the correct way. Was someone talking about them suing? Um, oh, yeah. Um, or, Ocean or potentially there, suing. A Napoli player. Mr. Penalty and was put onto the uh, Napoli TikTok, almost made fun of by the fact he'd missed a penalty. And him and his lawyer came out with a statement earlier this week saying that they will 
or can press legal action against the club. So it obviously makes it quite an awkward dynamic between the player and yeah, the Yeah, it's, it's strange, isn't it? And I think that kind of brings into the into context and the discussion the, the role that technology is playing mm. on uh, on people's mental health, etc. Very much. But also as well on the on the, the role that sports um, is playing and, and, and the impact as well, because we're talking about billions of pounds here, mm. you know. If, uh, if Liverpool don't win that league because of that goal or this league without a goal, I'm sure people will be talking about it in the future. No, I, I'm sure you Liverpool will win the league. But anyway, <laughs> my, the, the question I have is, uh, why, why is it always football that has VAR and technological control systems? Rugby works, cricket yeah, works. Yeah, the TMO and rugby works. I think it's the well. systems, in my opinion, it's the systems that they go through and it's the actual criteria they have for awarding or not awarding things. And it's very transparent and very clear um, and football should follow that suit, but I don't see I don't see why they don't, and they they, they, they tend not to. Um, one interesting interesting point um, was that FIFA have a different VAR system to what the Premier League use, um, and they use it in the FIFA World Cup, which has recently just gone. And the Premier League decided not to employ the FIFA technology and stick with their own. And I think um, well we're seeing the rewards for that now, and I, I don't think they'll stick with it for much longer. I think they're building the house upside down in here, here in Britain. I think we saw before the season kicked off a load of, you know, they they sort of heightened the stringencies of the, the refereeing. They're being a lot more pedantic about players, for example, gesturing to the referee, kicking balls away, which is good. But then you undermine that development when you then have the most outrageously obvious human error that denies Liverpool the goal. I know Mark said, you know, Liverpool will never win the league, but they... Only a few years ago, they actually lost the league by one point. So, you know, it'll, it'll be just incredibly fresh in those Liverpool fans' mind, the fact that a few years ago they lost the league by one point and this year they've been denied one or potentially three yeah, in one game. Yeah, definitely makes a difference, doesn't it? I think it does, so. yeah. Right, well, very much looking forward to seeing uh, if Man United stay on the, uh, the shocker list next week. Um, and hopefully we'll talk about something more positive and uh, no football will get in. But thank you very much, everybody, for giving up your time. And um, just a quick plug... So you can listen to this podcast on Spotify or on the school's um, intranet on, the, on YouTube. So fingers crossed, it'll all be up and running. And on Spotify this Friday, you can listen to last week's episode and this week's episode, episode two. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you all next week. Like and subscribe to the pod. <laughs> yes, Jack. <laughs>